HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. makes you so different? Yeah, sure. We are very fortunate to live on a 1,500-acre farm um, in Hawke's Bay, New Zealand, which is the east coast, sort of Mediterranean dry sort of climate. And we've got a mixture of hill country and rolling hills and um, some flat land. And um, we've got a very big program underway with, with some massive tree planting. And we also you know, have formed some partnerships with some um, big companies in New Zealand, which is really exciting, you know, getting that wider community supporting you know, our vision of uh, regenerative agriculture and restoring paradise. It's pretty paradisical, I can testify. Um, <laughs> do you want to explain a little bit more the history of livestock of production New in New Zealand? Because as, another, as a different kind of a cause, from the U.S., yes. the, the, his, the agricultural history in New Zealand is not necessarily familiar to our audience, who are mostly U.S. farmers. But I think it helps us think across yes. context very so well. So I wanted to just go into that history. Exactly. Well, New Zealand is an incredibly young country. I think we'd be the, the probably last you know, major landmass on the planet you know, um, to be occupied by humans and you know our, our history really only goes back less than a thousand years when um, Maori people came from the Pacific Islands and um, first settled in New Zealand and um, they lived here. We had um, you know, we were primarily just a country of, of forests and birds and um, amazing sea life and, and our oceans around us because we're completely surrounded by ocean and um, over that time, initially, there was large birds, you know, bigger than ostriches, called moa, that lived in New Zealand, and um, they were hunted to extinction within a few hundred years of the Maori arriving as, as a major food source. And um, 
And so, so that was the way it was until probably the early 1800s when, when New Zealand's um, sort of white settlers came from abroad. And um, like our farm was um, first sort of farmed by, by white people in the 1850s. So, so we've only really been here about but over 150 years. So an incredibly young land and you know, our soils, which have, have evolved largely under forests, are prone to erosion. And, um, of course, when white people come to, to the land, they bring all their European ideas with them and just try to overlay European farming systems, like, you know, I guess the pastoral systems that, that we see in, in Europe and, and just, I guess, in some ways force that on the land. And, um, you know, we're only now sort of really waking up to the consequences with some of the erosion issues we have. And, and I guess what we're doing on our farm is trying to reverse that 150 years of colonisation and, and also prior to that, um, you know, the Maori um, lit fires and, and cleared quite a lot of the bush as part of, you know, hunting and, and just um, what happened during the, their tenure. And so now it's, it's trying to restore that balance and, and we are, you know, reforesting, you know, large parts of our farm, but also integrating, um, you know, perennial polyculture tree crops and, and getting a lot of inspiration from what, um, you know, farmers like Mark Shepard are doing in America. You're dealing with now what's basically a deforested landscape that's um, mostly in pasture, and it is, this is from my observation, is a lot of sheep production and much of it for export. Um, exactly. And can we talk about what, how the land has been responding to the removal of so many of the trees? And, you know, I saw a lot of yeah. slumping and, and kind of... It's almost like cellulite on the land. That was how I explained it to my mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. When, when it's denuded of trees, there um, has been large amounts of erosion, and I don't know the exact figures, but I know New Zealand is well above global average for erosion, and um, you know, and, and that is we do get support from our local government councils and that who do um, subsidise the planting of trees to try and stabilise hillsides for erosion, but we need to probably be doing that on a, a much bigger scale. So, yeah, just a, again, a bit more context about New Zealand is that we are a country of four and a half million people, and we produce enough food at the moment to feed somewhere around 20 million, and so we are an export-orientated country, and um, that is, at this stage, largely we've got a growing dairy industry in New Zealand, so um, although we only produce a couple of percent of, of the global total milk, we are the major um, player in export markers, markets with milk in, in around the world and milk powder. And, um, and then also um, we export a lot of lamb and beef. And um, you know, America is where a lot of our um, beef ends up in hamburgers. So, um, but yes, it's, 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 that's a sort of wider context of, of farming in New Zealand. And now, you know, we are trying to bring it back back home and, and um, try and find find that balance again with with you know the regenerative farming techniques and um, you know implementing a lot more trees. Well, so you don't have to say anything bad about how, you know the consequences of all this, um, about what the ecological consequences are of such an export-oriented and um, kind of single-focused agriculture. Um, but all of our listeners are very well attuned to knowing that that is um, a highly simplified landscape and yes. that that 
is not necessarily the most resilient. But what is challenging to to consider is how do we engage in the project of land repair if nobody's out there willing to pay for all the trees and all the reforestation that it would take to bring that land back into a a better balance and to do um, restorative agroforestry. And that's where your approach is so unique. Do you want to tell the story about how you got money to plant trees? Yeah, but that's it because... I mean, I think on our planet today, largely most people, if they um, are connected in any way to global news and media and what have you, understand that things aren't right and something's got to change. And I think a lot of people are just saying, but what can we do? And to varying degrees, we're all locked into you know, our lifestyles and be it you know, the mortgage that I still carry on this farm. But, you know, so people are looking for solutions. And I think, you know, just by... Um, spreading the message of what we're doing and, and sort of welcoming and, and, and trying to educate the wider community. There's a lot of people, this is people in town, who want to connect back to the land and where their food is, is produced. And I guess the first way we did that was through um, a partnership with Air New Zealand who um, have helped us with planting a lot of trees. And um, so that's been really exciting, having, having that partnership with, with a large company and that also means a lot of the staff come down and visit our farm and um, help with tree planting work and that. And so it's, it's, it's really is you know, about the people as well as about the landscape. And now, I guess, you know, trying to um, just, you know, doing talks and, you know, through our website and, and just trying to raise awareness with the wider population, you know, just that every mouthful of food you take is a vote for the kind of planet we're going to leave for our children. And... So, you know, and I think people get that, but um, just connecting them back closer um, to where their food is produced and, and, and so they get a better understanding of, of how we do it and, and also just making the point that really, again, that every mouthful of food that we take can be produced in a system that's regenerating the planet and making things better or a lot of it is obviously coming from a place that at the moment is degrading the planet. And so through awareness... Um, we can connect people up and make them part of part of positive change. Positive change, indeed. And then, of course, what an amazing thing to be able to operate on the landscape that you're so actively reforesting. It's almost like um, I realized from going around with Sam on the four-wheeler and going down all these alleys of trees and going back into the native bush and seeing the land regenerating, I just realized how infrequently in my life experience, as somebody who just goes from farm to farm to farm all the time, mm-hmm. have I seen that scale of restoration going on. It's like almost it's almost like a, a completely different experience. We're so used to experiencing degradation and, and destruction. <laughs> and you almost have to, like, train yourself to be able to see the opposite side of the of the coin. Can you talk about some of maybe the unexpected benefits that you experienced and yeah. also well, I guess in, in the, the, the... The first one really is about the connection with people and just the energy um, that you get from that and the feel-good factor of just, you know, meeting and communicating with, with a whole lot of people. And, you know, I really do believe that... Um, you know, if we take one step towards, you know, Mother Nature and looking after things, then, then you know, 
things happen, and she'll take ten steps right back to just to to um, let it to try and regenerate. So you just just start moving in that direction, and things start happening. And so it really is cool the constant um, buzz we get from just you know people that we meet, people that come and visit the farm, people that are eating um, the meat that we grow on the farm, and and there's all that positivity around that. And so that's a real a real buzz, and. You know, again, it's just like um, doing good, you know, as far as looking after the land, you know, as, as helping our marketing story. So, so that, you know, by caring for the land, it gives us a story to go out to the people with and it just snowballs. And, and so, you know, there's more and more people wanting to do something positive around these days and they're just looking for something to do. So, you know, you give them an opportunity um, then, you know, who knows, you know, I think anything's possible. We're only really limited by our imagination and, uh, and just, just being willing to let go and um, let others get involved with what we're doing on the farm. So um, we didn't really talk yet about your meat scheme and how, how differently you're stocking your animals and selling your animals compared to the convention in yeah. a sector that is really dominated by a set of conventions. Like, yes. um, in the same way as the U.S., we're quite dominated by a similar set of conventions. Your conventions are different, but you are very different from that. Yeah, because I guess you know, New Zealand is based on a pastoral grazing agricultural system. That's, that's the bulk of what we do in this country. Um, but you know, over the recent years, we've developed... Um, a holistic grazing management system on the, you know, based on the work of what Alan Savory has laid out. And again, there's a lot of that happening in America, which is fantastic. And um, you know, through books like um, The Soil Will Save Us and just, just hearing about what is happening around the planet and that this really is a major solution for climate change and you know, the urgent need to get carbon out of the atmosphere and back into our soils is um, a massive opportunity. And it's obviously one that needs to be done, you know, urgently. So um, that is working well for us. So we're, we're running mobs of cattle. We, we're sort of limited perhaps by the amount of water we can get to a mob of cattle. So we have about 150 head to 180 head in a mob, and we're shifting them every day um, behind electric fences and just on a, a long rotation. And that is working really well. And um, our sheep, they're, they're just on a, on a longer grazing rotation and then we also are running pigs on the property, and a big part of what we're doing is trying to get fossil fuels out of our um, food system. And, and you know, pig and poultry production is largely required on uh, is produced on annual grains, and you know the harvesting and growing, and obviously the soil disturbance that goes on through growing those grains. And so um, we are milking 22 cows on the farm, and we're just feeding the milk to our pigs. So our pigs are. You know, free ranging on pasture, and again, they're on weekly shifts, so they're always going on to fresh pasture and, and rotating around. But our dairy cows are producing the supplement to help them to grow. And again, you know, Joel Sallison is a, is a big hero of mine, and we've been very fortunate that he's visited us on the farm here. And, um, and so, of course, we have to have our portable hen houses that follow along behind the cows and um, getting a few eggs as well. So you know, it's just that whole system and, you know, so, so much of the inspiration of what we're doing here, you know, has come from people like, like Joel and um, Mark Shepard and, and where, where we're heading. And, um, 
and also just creating all these little enterprises so there's a whole lot more little profit centres on the farm that um, is allowing us to employ much more people than the farms around us and, and you know, just create more livelihoods and more production and a whole lot more fun along the way. Well, we don't have that much more time, but I wanted to inquire with you how it's been going in bringing in a new enterprise. You were t when we were there, when I was there, we were talking about your hope to put another farm business into business on your land, and you yeah. were having uh, t conversations with a Japanese farmer. That's right. Yeah, we um, are still. He hasn't arrived yet, but that's still very much in the plans and. You know, again, on a on a 1,500-acre farm here, I sort of figure if I can't find a couple of acres for somebody else to um, grow vegetables, and I really shouldn't be farming. And so, we've been in um, discussions with a, a family, a man from Japan, who um, has been an organic vegetable gar grower in Japan, and unfortunately, his land has all been contaminated um, by the Fukushima, the nuclear power plant disaster, and and I think he he um, shoveled off the top inch or so of. Of, of soil off his farm, off his land, and um, took that away. But being organic, all the inputs and the compost that he was making from, from the forest was all contaminated by radiation, and so he wants to get his family out of Japan. And so we're um, trying to help him, and um, and because he's, you know, I'm interested in the One Straw Revolution book and Fukuoka and the natural farming techno techniques, and so he has knowledge of that. And so hopefully we'll be able to add you know, his vegetable production to our meat production, as well as um, he'll be in a position to take some workshops and provide education on, on some of some of his knowledge and share it with New Zealanders. Well, and of course, one of the big questions as we see so many um, populations on the move in the ongoing re uh, refugee crises, so many of the people who are on the move are actually rural people who are impacted um, by changing climate and land degradation and who have skills in land management and animal care and farm businesses. And it's a really interesting question. In the U.S., we have a number of very successful refugee-oriented farm programs and actually even community land trust in Maine that's owned um, by uh, political refugees who are farming. Mm -hmm. And selling into the local economy there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very fascinating to me to observe your early work in this area and to consider um, the room that we all need to make in our in our cities, in our homes, in our hearts, in our cultures for people who've been displaced by the impact of carbon pollution around the world. And what would that mean in a more rural setting where often we have much more homogeneous and more conservative kind of cultural attitudes towards outsiders. Um, some of those outsiders might actually bring, you know, dynamic and positive change um, on the landscape. So once again, you're so far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're just, just doing what we can, which is, which is great, because, you know, um, it, it is interesting in that I, I think, you know, it's an internal journey as much as an, as an out external you know, journey of what we're doing on the land, I think, is also you know, looking into ourselves deeper and figuring out, well, what's life all about? And, and there's a whole lot of letting go and, um, you know, getting over our egos a lot, and, and just a, which just opens up a whole lot of opportunities. And, 
you know, we're all on different stages on that road, and um, but but you know, the necessity is with, as you say, these these refugees that you know we do have to incorporate and embrace them, and and you know, first of all, trying to stop doing the damage which is causing the refugees in the first place, but equally. Um, we, we are going to need a lot more people on the land producing food and, and so you know there's always opportunities out of crisis and, and uh, the challenge is how, how we integrate them into our, yeah, our cultures and as you say into our hearts Well um, I'm trying to think what else we need to cover maybe you, if you're, if you're um, wouldn't mind giving a few suggestions for people who are motivated to come to learn in New Zealand, obviously one of the big motives for young people who are wanting to travel and wanting to explore agriculture has traditionally been go to New Zealand and wolf around. Um, and you can easily hitchhike and you can easily bus. And it's mm-hmm. one of the best countries in the world for wolfing. Um, but there's uh, a lot of educational opportunities that are not necessarily totally apparent. And I wonder if maybe you could give some other suggestions of how young people are learning best practices in sustainable agriculture in a New Zealand context beyond well, the wolfing. It, it's, it's not huge on a New Zealand context. I think you know we are still very mainstream in what we're doing in our universities. You know, are just um, all about production and profit and um, optimizing resources and. Um, and so, you know, having said that, you know, we are still a very mainstream country, but, you know, there is, like a lot of places around the world, there's some really interesting stuff going on on the fringe. And, you know, I'd only encourage people to come and visit New Zealand. And um, we are a really easy country to get around. Um, we've just had a guy from San Francisco just jump on the road. He's been woofing with us for the last couple of weeks and just hitchhike off to his next destination this morning. And, um so, and we are getting, we are seeing more and more young Americans um, coming and visiting us. And you know, we've had woofers now for over 10 years, and definitely noticing more Americans. I think uh, we're getting the, the feeling that um, you know, there's there's a whole lot of young people out there that just don't buy that American dream of you know whatever it is, going to college and getting a job and getting a mortgage and getting tied down in the whole in the whole system, but. You know, the opportunity is there to get out and have a look around, get some new experiences, learn some new skills, and New Zealand is a great place to come and do that. And lots of, you know, opportunities through woofing. And, you know, the education system in New Zealand, as I said, most of the universities are mainstream. There is Lincoln University, which has a organics um, part to it, and then there's a, another um, place here in, in Hawke's Bay called Taruna College, which takes organic and biodynamic uh, agriculture classes, which would be open to you know, international students. But apart from that, just get out and meet the people. And uh, we, you know, again, we have had people here from the states who have been quite focused on coming, and they've sort of hunted out a few of the people that are doing, you know, the sort of leading edge, I guess, of this, you know, regenerative farming and holistic management and all those sort of skills, and who are come here specifically looking to learn those skills to take them back to America and implement them on the land there. And, you know, with the work that you're doing and I guess the pathways that, you know, Joel Salatin lines up, lines up through, um, you know, leasing opportunities in America, it's, it sounds like, you know, there is plenty of opportunity. So I'd only encourage people to um, 
if, if there's any sort of inkling in their heart to, to get on the land, I think it's a great thing to do. Um, it's really meaningful, fulfilling thing to do, especially, you know, instead of working in some job that is really not, you know, serving your interests. You know, we all have to find our passion at the moment and, um, and, and follow that passion, and, and that might not necessarily be where the money is, but at the end of the day, I think you're going to be a whole lot happier if, if, you, if you follow your heart. Well, I know from I know from past feedback that many of our listeners are on that fence, still engaged in a day job in a city and dreaming their agrarian dream and trying to navigate their way into an agrarian lifeway and a career and an income and a livelihood. And so every encouragement is good. I want to also make sure to encourage people if you are going to New Zealand. Greg has a farmer's day and it's super beautiful and it's on a very nice lake that I think has benefited from all the new trees that you planted. How many thousands of trees have you planted? Oh, early days, that's still a work in progress, but we've got a 30-acre uh, lake on our property, which I'm just steering out over now, and last year we got 5,000 trees around it and we'll do the same again this year and um, continue to do so until it's you know looking absolutely pristine and, and gorgeous and just a wonderful wildlife habitat. So, um, gosh, what a nice feeling to be able to say 5,000 trees this year and 5,000 trees next year. Mm-hmm. Greg, thank yeah. you so much for your incredible leadership, and I look forward to scheming with you at the Farm Hack New Zealand in the fall, or our fall, your yeah, late spring. spring. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to it, Sarah, it's, um yeah, we love what you're doing, and it's been fantastic um, getting in contact with you, and so, yeah, all the be- all the best. All the best down under, all the best over top, all the best in between <laughs> you all, and look forward to talking to you all again next week. Thank you for being such loyal listeners, and uh, we will continue to keep the spice level high. Bye-bye, Greg. Hey, see you, Severin. It's been fantastic. And the books arrived yesterday, so thank you so much. Ah, so good. Oh, good. I'm glad they got <laughs> they there. They look amazing. It takes a while. They, they look fantastic. There's some really interesting stuff. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, and I, there's more coming, more coming. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. that's awesome. Because I forgot, I forgot one of the almanacs. I only sent you the first, the second year and the third year, but there's also the oh, first wow. year. Oh, my goodness. We'll get there. It's such good resources. <laughs> We've got to get into the whole collection. Yeah, and, I mean, that'll be oh. sitting here on our bookshelves for all those um, perhaps American woofers that we might get turning up now. So they, <laughs> we'll point them in the direction of them as well. You could have your American shelf. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I, I mean, it is incredible just, just um, you know, how influenced I have been by American authors, and there's so much, you know, good stuff coming out of there. It's, it's fantastic. And, and I guess, you know, like I told you, our relationship with Carpe Diem Education, um, which is based in Portland, Oregon, um, I guess I can communicate American um, goings-on to a degree. Obviously, they haven't been there for a long time, but just, you know, stuff that they can relate to because, you know, like that um, permaculture video called Inhabit, and that just, you know, it's stuff that they can relate to and um, hopefully be inspired, and when they head, head back home, they can pick it up and run with it. 
Yeah, well, I was noticing how incredibly vast is your network of information that you're drawing from and all the podcasts and um, thinkers that you're tuned into. I was feeling like um, it'd be cool if there was a section on your website that was like, this is what Greg reads, <laughs> and this yeah. is what Greg listens to that makes him try all this wonderful stuff and as a, as a, um, a way to inform these young bugs who don't know quite yet where to learn from. Yeah, yeah, no, that were, I, our old website that um, had all that information, but I've been told we had to rationalise our, our our website at the moment is already quite vast, you know, with the lodge and the farm and um, other goings on. But it would be a good resource to have, and maybe even if I just put it on as a blog, then people could pick it up from there. Yeah, well, maybe we'll try and bug Sam to work on it for you. Yeah. Okay, we exactly. ran out of time. Yeah, we got to go. Was great. I think no, that was really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Big, big, so big hug over there, the over the ocean to you. Whereabouts, whereabouts are you? Uh, right now I'm in Sicily. And where? In Sicily. 